This is episode 11 of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi friends, how is your week going? I'm delighted to introduce you to my friend Emily Green, a mama, writer, and resilient cancer survivor. During the month where we covered the topic of grief and motherhood on Kindred Mom, Emily shared some thoughts about grieving lost time with her children during the year she was in cancer treatment. We did have some challenges with the audio in this interview, but I feel like what Emily has to share in this episode is so valuable. I hope you enjoy it in spite of the imperfections on the technical side. This show is supported by One Day's Wages, a grassroots movement of people, stories, and actions intended to alleviate extreme global poverty. This organization is captivated by the idea that everyday people have the power to change the world. By raising awareness and inspiring people to give simply, One Day's Wages has supplied nearly 3,000 mothers with better maternal health care, 2,500 children with access to pediatric care, and they are working worldwide to empower under-resourced families and communities You can join their movement by making a donation or starting your own fundraiser to help fight poverty. Learn more at onedayswages.org. Today I have with me Emily Green. Hello, Emily. Emily. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm so great. I'm super excited to have you on the show today and would love to begin by having an introduction to you and your family. Wonderful. So we live in Southern Oregon, and I'm married to my husband, Mike, and we have Madison, who is teen, just finishing her junior year of high school, and Josiah and Caleb are four and a half and six. Awesome. Well, I am so excited to have you here today and wanted to begin talking a little bit about your journey. You shared an essay on the Kindred Mom blog a few months ago uh, when we were discussing the topic of grieving and motherhood. And some of the other essays that we ran that month were um, more about loss or different things um, having to do with death or really difficult seasons. And your difficult season has been for a very different reason. Um, I just really appreciated your thoughts. Uh, The essay was titled Grieving Lost Time, and I would love for you to talk a little bit about um, that essay and some of the things you shared in it. Sure, absolutely. Um, And so just for a little background, I was diagnosed January of 2016 with breast cancer and um, started treatment, formal treatment in February. So for much of last spring, um, my life looked very different. And um, I was adjusting and we were all adjusting to the new reality of me um, walking through um, all of the physical effects of treatment. And so what I shared in that essay and what really continues to ring so true for me, the way that we can be walking through really difficult times. And um, in my case, it was a lot of the different side effects, physical side effects, as well as you know the deeper emotional and spiritual challenges and, and heaviness that all of that sort of entailed. Um, so walking through that, 
uh, put me in a different space as a mama and less available, less on. Um, I think I mentioned in the essay, I tend to be a yes mama and tend to be really passionate and excited about jumping into adventure with my kids and being really hands-on with them. We homeschool the little ones. Um, so life is really full and busy. And the, and the kids, especially the boys, are really used to mama being present and very active. And so last spring, there were so many days where I felt um, such a loss and felt so removed from how I'm used to mothering. And um, that was that was um, something that I had to reconcile and just really begin to figure out how to navigate. Yeah. I'm wondering... Um was the the journey from the time of diagnosis to the present time, has there been different um, seasons even within that season of struggle that um, like in one, you know, stretch of a few weeks or months that you had to deal with certain challenges that then changed because of a change in your treatment or the, the way that you felt uh, during that season? Um, yes. And I think here's what I've learned, Emily. I think when we are in what feels like an acute season, um, it, there are, there are ways that that evolves. And so, like you said, that shifted. So there were certainly after surgery, for instance, I was much less, um, physically able and much less, um, able to parent well, but, um, that has shifted and kind of waxed and waned. And there have been, um, many moments where, um, I didn't feel that impact. Yeah, I think that the um, I've just been so inspired by the way that you have walked through this journey. And I didn't know you towards the beginning of your diagnosis and treatment. I've only gotten to know you in the last, I think, four or five months. I'm not sure when we first connected, but yeah. I have been so inspired to hear you talk about um, both what you've been through and how your family has responded, mm. um, just seeing how resilient your kids are through this and um, how supportive your husband has been. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's just been a really lovely thing to see you be really honest about both how difficult it has been and also how much beauty has still been in this season as you acknowledge your weakness and your hardship, but also um, just really try to come together with your husband in order to be a good mama to your children. Absolutely. You know, I think it goes to the larger picture and that we as moms and we as parents really want um, want to protect our kids from hardship. And we want um, so much of life to be really wonderful and comfortable. And yet what we know is that through hardship, um, God is present, first of all, and always. And secondly, there is so much sweetness and goodness and growth that comes through hard seasons. And so for, for my boys particularly, when they look, you know, w when I was going through those months and I was um, grieving and had the sweet encouragement of my husband and girlfriends that would, you know, remind me of the, of the larger picture. But when you're in the moment um, feeling like uh, there's they're missing so much or um, that the, the impact of what today is going to be the forever impact. And the reality is kids are so resilient. And... Um, the ways that I felt like I was not um, maybe doing all the things, I wasn't cooking the meals as I used to, or I was, you know, they were getting more screen time or whatever it was. 
um, really looking back, those things are forgotten. <laughs> They're completely forgotten. The boys have no memory that. They have memories that are like, that was the most awesome time because they got to have all these experiences that stretched and grew their little selves. And so they got to have so much time, for instance, at the grandparents' house. So every time when I had chemo, we took them to their great-grandparents' house for the day. So it was a such a blessing for them to have so many more opportunities to um, be in new experiences and new environments and be loved by new people. And for them, it was a grand adventure. And so in the moment, it was hard for me to see that. But um, I think that that's so true for for um, so many of us when we're in hard moments, whether it be, you know, what I walk through or, or hardship or sickness, we feel like when we're, it feels like it's always going to be like that. And we can't see that there's something around the bed that's different. It just feels like the current reality is the forever reality. And the, the truth is that it's not. It, it, it will lift. And God does bring us into a spacious place. And, and I stand today and think, okay, June, all of this that I wrote about and experienced, that was over a year ago, Emily. I couldn't have imagined in that moment thinking, oh, this will at some point be in my rear view a year, you know, and here we are. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point when you mentioned um, how there were things that you felt like you should be doing that you had to lean on other people for. And I feel like anytime someone says the word should, I have a red flag that goes up because there are so few things that really are you actually should do this. So many of the of the shoulds that come up are our guilt and our that's right things that actually don't belong in the situation. Um, so anytime I hear the the phrase, I should do this, I stop and think, is this, like, where is this originating from? And, and is it something that is absolutely important or is someone else able to do it? And I can step out of the way <laughs> and let them. That's right. Because what we, what I should be doing is leaning on Christ. What I should be doing in his strength. But I, I mean, the shoulds are really so simple and they aren't all of the extraneous shoulds that we burden ourselves as mothers with. So I'm curious to know, um, as you've gone through this journey, how it has changed relationships with people in your life that have either come around and supported your family in different ways and um, what that has been like for you as, as a recipient of people's care, if you could talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit. Yes, Emily. I honestly, it gives me chills just um, just thinking about that. Um, I we have been loved so extravagantly, and um, it's humbling. Honestly, it's humbling. I I think that um, I seen a depth of unconditional love in friendship that um, has surpassed um, what I've even known, and um, I was actually just talking with my husband the other day and I was talking with him and and I was thinking of that verse, how sweet it is when the brethren live in unity. And um, I think that this has, there has allowed um, me to experience the receiving of such incredible grace and kindness. And uh, that, that is so um, almost inexpressible to receive because um, I think to be known and to so well um, by friends and family, uh, to see my husband 
walk out loving me as a, just as a servant and just to sort of live his life and to, to train our kids with a perspective of how can we serve mama and um, and to have him practically live that out uh, really indescribable and then to be loved practically and I think I I don't remember if I had mentioned this in my essay but I think there were practical ways that um, that I was loved, people that, you know, my girlfriends that would come pick up the boys and keep them for the afternoon into the evening and text the pictures that they're doing great or um, would take them to do things that I felt sad to be missing. There were times where I missed our weekly Bible study, but girlfriends would be like, no big deal, we're picking them up and taking them with us. So the boys didn't miss a beat and I was able to rest. And um, like, there's just, and then there were practical things. I mean, Emily, I had a girlfriend give us house cleaning we have professionals coming i mean that's just i mean things like that where you just oh it's humbling and incredible to see um, people walk out love in practical ways it's incredible yeah i think for so many mamas um who maybe haven't been through the same journey that you have something so dramatic and all-consuming as fighting cancer um at least i have struggled with this at different times when people offer help that might be very useful to me. I feel like, oh, I should just not accept their help and I don't want to put them out or, you know, be indebted to them. Um, and I guess I would love to know how your perspective, if your perspective has changed, um, having gone through this, um, because I know that you're also someone who really tries to invest in other people's lives as well. If your feelings about receiving people's care for you has has changed in any way from before this stretch of time to where you are now? I love that question. It makes me think of a way that I know for sure that we are all dead um, with unique passions and um, things that that we love. And I have what I've been able to see is when people people love sharing their giftings. And so I have been so um kind of amazed how when we offer what we love there's such a sweet reciprocity with that and receiving that is sweet so for instance during all that was going on I had this passion to start a garden my husband said start a garden really and I just knew that last spring I was gonna I was gonna grow a garden I have a, a girlfriend who had a gardener and who knows all the garden things and so I reached out to her and she was thrilled to mentor me in my garden last spring and drop gardening plans and um, give me tips and nuggets. And it was just so beautiful because I thought this is, this is what it's like to live in the body. When we all bring what we have to share and we, sh we love sharing it and receiving it is so beautiful. And, and we then get to share back. <laughs> don't know if that makes sense but it does and I really love that I think I have felt a lot of times over the years that something that I might feel really passionate about I didn't want to bother someone else with mm. it and like you're describing um, so often the things each of us have to give to others um, it really is a matter of finding who is it that needs this gift right now because it's um, it's not that what you have to bring isn't needed. It just might not be needed by the friend you're trying to give it to. I don't know. Um, but there are so many who are longing for a connection and relationship assistance and care in different ways that we all 
bring something different to the table. And I think that's what's beautiful about having a diverse um, group of people that we're connected to, either through a church or through uh, groups of women who meet together to study the Bible or meet together at the park or any of the different ways that we connect with other people. It's I feel like I have different friends for different things in my life, and that's what makes life rich and beautiful. Emily, that is so real. And oh, I got the chills again. I think you said that perfectly. That that was amplified last year because I was able, it was as if I just had this crystal clear um, opportunity to see vividly the beauty of these amazing women in my life. And they were joyful to share them. And so that really took away... Um, um, obviously, it always feels uncomfortable to receive. And But you know what? I have incredible friends that one of them has just this great administrative skill, right? And so she loved organizing meal deliveries and all of those things, you know? And, and, and that was such a gift for me. It was such a gift for me. And so I think that I think the encouragement that I walk with today throughout my life is to continue to offer what God's given me and share it. And so the things that God stirs in me and the love that I have for my people, um, acting that out, walking that out, you know, love in action has just been this theme. And so loving with our actions, loving people with our actions is so rich. Yeah. I want to go back to your essay just a little bit. Um, There is a quote that we put on the graphic in the post that said, resting and healing and leaving space for quiet. These are beautiful, needful choices throughout our lives. And I feel like this has been a theme through some of our other Kindred Mom essays. And it, I mean, it's just a pursuit in my life that I um, strive for peace and not only peace out with other people, but peace within. And I just love that you um, address the, the need for rest and healing. Um, because I think that applies to people who are not going through cancer, people who are just journeying through life. And um, I would love for you to just pass along whatever thoughts that you have, um, having been through this journey this last year, about what rest um, and that space that you create in your life in order to tend to your body's needs and your spiritual and your heart needs Um what that looks like now on the other side of this experience. Yes. What I what 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 it looks like now, Emily, is it's shifted and it's gone from being that feels a little bit out of reach and something that I know I should do, um, but I'm not quite ever going to get around to it. To the absolute essential part of every day. So for me, every single day involves creating space, and I do it now with no guilt. Because creating that space, quiet, for soul quiet, for quiet to sit in God's presence, for for quiet without a lot of noise and kids' voices and activity in order to do particular things. And, um, you know, I have things that I, that I try to do each day that I know are healing for my body. And um those things are essential over the course of a life. And I think that in our culture, we kind of, you know, the self-care term has um, a lot of different things attached to it. But what I do know for sure is that tending well to this body that God's given me and and really being diligent about 
creating quiet and having rest and doing particular things that I know are restorative for me. Those things are great things and there's no, there's no guilt anymore attached to them. Do you have any particular favorite thing that helps you just mm. relax and calm if you have been through a busy part of your day? Yeah. Um, one favorite for sure is uh, a lovely soak in a bathtub with Epsom salt and some eucalyptus oil and a candle and a certain awesome kind of scripture meditation that I listen to while I'm doing that. Um, so that's lovely at the end of the day. Um, journaling and for sure being in God's word each day and and per, for me particularly outside sitting on my patio with the fresh air and just feeling the breeze and being outdoors those things are so um, nourishing to me and so it's been sweet to sort of identify the things as women for us to identify the ways that we are refreshed and then to pursue those things joyfully and to pursue those things without um, feeling guilty or torn, but knowing that, wow, these things really do um, fill me and fill my cup, allow me to love well, allow me to press into the next day, all of those things. I really love that. I think for me, um, when someone describes uh, restorative things like soaking in a bathtub or sitting outside. I'm like, that sounds so nice. And I would never do that. <laughs> Not because I shouldn't, because I probably should. I just have a hard time disengaging from mm. stimulus, I guess. Like I really love talking with people, yes. uh, which is why a podcast is a good yes. fit. Um, I really love like creating new things and making new things. Yes. And I do think that those are life-giving things for me for sure. But I, um, I just think that I really have a special uh, challenge at really slowing down and yeah. allowing the restful part. Um, I think that I really am way far on the on the pendulum of create, 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 which I think has its its benefits. But um, I just love what you're describing as far as um, kind of the disengaging from um, the things that would add to any stress or continuing on in the busy or, um, and so I'm going to give some of those things a try, I think. Yes. <laughs> you know, there is so much, like you said, though, I think there's, there's so much beauty and, um, there's so much nourishment also in the creating though. So it's not, it's not that all of the things that restore and refresh us are quiet or meditative, but that, that some are, and that some of them are really beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Well, I so appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us, um, and thank you for allowing me a glimpse into your journey, and um, I just so appreciate, I think that the the things that you have to say are from a perspective that is just uh, really precious and, and interesting and um, so needed for someone like me who hasn't had um, this kind of hardship to deal with at this point in my life. Um, but I just love the call to um, be intentional and be intentional about our healing and our rest. And that really goes for all of us because it's it's just so important. And so thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah, Emily, thank you so much for having me here. I love, love talking with you. I love how Emily talks about her children being so resilient through the process of her cancer treatment. She wanted to be with them, to be involved with all their adventures, 
but her condition required that she intensely focus on healing from that journey, leaning on her husband and community to help her through. I think there are times in our lives that we too need to lean on others, even if it's not easy for us to do it. I also think the worry we carry as mamas is sometimes unnecessary. The worry we feel might be very real to us, but reminding ourselves that other people can step in and provide for our children's needs when we might not be able to is really comforting. What Emily said about the current reality not being the forever reality is really encouraging as well. After doing this interview with Emily, I've been thinking about one of my pet peeves in personal relationships. It's something I refer to as transactional relationship. In a transactional relationship, one or both of the people in the relationship keep score about what they have done for each other and what the other might owe them in the future in return. I think most often this is innocent and well-meaning, a desire to keep things equitable in a friendship, but I also think this habit makes it challenging for friends to really give freely to each other. For one thing, everyone has different gifts to bring to the table, as Emily Green and I discussed. If I'm spending all my time trying to keep things even, babysitting for you because you've babysat for me, bringing you a meal because you brought a meal to me, putting my energy into keeping track of the social currency in the situation, then I won't feel free to ask for help when I might genuinely need it if I'm still in debt to a friend that I might otherwise reach out to. I also don't feel free to give to a friend I've recently given to if they are always making a big deal about owing me stuff. Instead, I like to acknowledge that in most friendships, we give to each other in different ways, all of which are valuable and can't be compared one-to-one. In my closest relationships, each of us are always free to ask for help, always looking for ways to actively support each other, always free to say, you know, I don't think I can help this time and I'm really sorry. I find that friends who jump aboard this freedom ship, as I'll call it, where we don't keep score or keep track, but we try to do our best to give to each other as we're able. These are the women that become my dearest friends. This summer, our Kindred Mom Vision Team is encouraging women to intentionally reach out to the moms in your circles and plan out times to hang out. Summer can be such a lonely and challenging time for moms, but together you can make fun memories with your kids and your friends. Find out more details on kindredmom.com under the About Us tab where it says Summer Connection Groups. This week we will be adding some resources to that page and hope you'll check them out if you're unsure about how to start a group like that. In closing, I would like to share a blessing by Marissa Henley, author of the book, Loving Your Friend Through Cancer. She writes, Mamas, when our bodies, minds, or souls grow weary, may we thoughtfully carve out time for rest and renewal. May we be willing to postpone tasks and opportunities that pull us away from the refreshment we desperately need. As we seek to serve our families and friends well, may we also receive and celebrate the unique gifts others offer to us without an ounce of guilt.